The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting. And it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvelous stuff, marvelous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Thursday, April the 9th, 2020. Another day, another day. Wow. It's difficult not to look at numbers. It really is difficult not to look at numbers. And I want to just say, by the way, thank you very much for listening to this edition. A lot to get to, and numbers definitely... Oh, one thing, but it's the story behind the numbers and the people behind them that are quite another. And, you know, I think it's clear that a lot of numbers, whether it is the number of people afflicted with this virus or whether it is the number of people who are passing away from this virus, these numbers are underreported. And it's very simple why they're underreported, because Testing has not been done here in the United States in any appreciable way. You know, about six-tenths of 1% of the entire United States population has been tested. Six-tenths of 1%. Think about that for a second. I mean, do you know that the population, I guess, officially of the United States is around 327 million people? I mean, that tells you something. (laughs) Less than six-tenths of one percent, about six-tenths of one percent. I mean, I'm no math whiz, but I know that that's not very many people. (laughs) I I know that much. It's a very concerning thing, to say the least. Six-tenths of one percent. You know, that is not a good thing. 
you are essentially talking about less than 200,000 people in the country being tested at this stage. Less than 200,000 people. Roughly 196,000 people. Out of a country of 327 million people. So that's one number to think about because I think testing is the most important thing. Certainly for healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, of course, other caregivers on the front lines. And of course, definitely grocery store workers, some of whom are dying right now at Walmart, for example. Trader Joe's are having issues with people passing away. Giant, the giant grocery store has had people passing away in several cities and states in the country, the United States. Kroger's has had people pass away. I mean, we are now having those people who are on the front lines for all of us on a daily basis dying from this virus. And part of the reason they're dying is because their employers at some of these places I've mentioned have not put any safety measures in place for their frontline workers, for any of their workers. Some of these places have told their workers not to wear masks. Some of these places have fired workers. Some of these hospitals have fired workers for wearing masks. There was a doctor last week who made a video and she said that she had a choice between working as a nurse or doctor. I forget what her exact station was, but it was one of those two. Working as a nurse or doctor. I think she may have been a nurse at a hospital with no mask, which is what she was told to do. Or quitting her job to save her family, including her kids, from getting infected, and of course herself from getting infected by this virus. And she chose to quit her job. What is somebody like that supposed to do? And these are the kinds of stories that are being replicated. You've got these hospital directors and administrators in various for-profit companies forcing workers to work without masks, forcing nurses to work without masks and firing them if they don't comply. You have frontline workers flying blind, no protection. And in many of these cases, you've got nurses and doctors working without any protection at all. And nurses and doctors are making these kinds of choices that are on the, on the proportion and scale of Sophie's choice. Either you get to keep your job and risk your life and risk infecting your children 
and your family members at large, or you get to quit your job or you get fired from your job and you've got no food, no income, and your family starves. So that is just a slice of the problems that you may not be hearing a whole lot of, but it's been out there. It's been in the news, but not to the degree that I think it should be, because we really need to make sure that people, I think, understand the gravity of how this is affecting people. Obviously, you know how this is affecting you, but you may well be in the very same boat. Speaking of numbers again, the Associated Press reports that 6.6 million more jobless claims came in last week at unemployment offices all over the country. 6.6 million additional jobless claims. That is about the number that we saw last week. So when you add that to the previous two weeks of jobless claims, you now have a total of 16, 16.8 million people applying for unemployment benefits over the last three weeks. And keep in mind that that number is not accurate because it does not reflect Obviously, all of the people who applied for those benefits but did not get through on the telephone and did not get through on the website because the websites had been crashing and still are crashing, apparently, according to some reports. So when you have a busy signal and when you're trying to get benefits and when you're trying to go online and you're trying to get benefits and then the website crashes... How many millions of people do you think are in that situation? And how many millions of people, when you add those two together, do you think are really jobless in this country? This doesn't even factor in people who are already unemployed or underemployed, who have stopped looking for work. They've just given up. So numbers do not tell the whole story. Speaking of numbers, the Democrats are holding up a $250 billion aid packages, a package for small businesses. This is according to the Associated Press. Now, the story was in today's AP, and this is from Andrew Taylor and Lisa Mascaro. Democrats stole Trump's $250 billion business virus aid package. Now, the story behind this, by the way, just by way of background, there was a package already included in the $2 trillion bill that aimed to deal with paycheck protection for small businesses. But so far, that particular part of the 
$2 trillion aid package passed, what, roughly two weeks ago or so, a week and a half ago or so, whatever it was, maybe two weeks now, that paycheck protection program for small businesses, of which I think around, was it $250 billion or whatever it was, is not working. Is not working for lots of small businesses all across the country. So what you have is people who try to apply and they get messages from Wells Fargo or whichever bank saying, well, you have not done banking with us. You have not done business with us. So therefore, we cannot put you in this payment paycheck protection program. You're not eligible. Even though these businesses have had a paper trail or digital trail of doing business with banks for their businesses. And this is happening all over the United States. So what Trump has done was request, I think yesterday, a $250 billion supplement. So this is an additional amount of money. So this is what the story is, and I'm going to read parts of this. This is the story from Andrew Taylor and Lisa Mascaro from the Associated Press today. And it is April the 9th, by the way. Thursday, April the 9th, 2020. Democrats stole Trump's $250 billion business virus aid package. Senate Democrats on Thursday stalled Trump's request for $250 billion to supplement a paycheck protection program for businesses crippled by the coronavirus outbreak, demanding protections for minority-owned businesses and money for health care providers and state and local governments. They sidetracked a request by Majority Leader in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, who is the Republican in Kentucky, to give the unanimous consent necessary to fast-track Trump's request. Quote, we need more funding and we need it fast, McConnell said as he opened the Senate, assuring them there would be future bills to deal with other issues. What other issues is he talking about? You mean the vast majority of Americans who still don't have their uh, $1,200 checks? You mean the vast majority of people in America, in this country, who do not have unemployment benefits because they can't get through to their various state offices to file for a claim? What other issues is Mitch McConnell speaking of? The Democrats' demands sparked a spirited response from McConnell who implored them not to block emergency aid. You do not even oppose just because you want something more. That was his quote. This is very rich coming from Mitch McConnell, who, by the way, is up for re-election this November in Kentucky. He is the Republican who is the Senate Majority Leader, as I just mentioned. And Kentucky should vote him out of office. Amy McGrath is his challenger. She is the Democrat who is a military uh person. She's been, she's been a fight, fighter pilot. She has served her country with distinction. And you should go and check 
her out on her website, amymcgrath.com. I think it's amyforkentucky.com. But you can just search her name, Amy McGrath, and her last name is spelled M-C-G-R-A-T-H. And Amy is the common spelling, A-M-Y. Amy McGrath. Please look her up. Donate to her campaign. Because Mitch McConnell is a hypocrite. Just because you want something more. Now, this is the same Mitch McConnell who last week said to Nancy Pelosi, ah, ah, ah. Not so fast there, Madam Speaker. Another bill? Another bill? Another stimulus bill for the American public? Ah, ah, ah. Don't you try it. Don't you even think about it. Talk to the hand. How dare you want to help the American public? And now he is telling Senate Democrats. He's imploring them, according to the AP story I'm reading from. Not to block, quote, emergency aid you do not even oppose just because you want something more, end quote. Want something more? What are you talking about, Mitch? These are not handouts. You have got infrastructure in this country at an all-time low. And that is particularly true in the federal government. You've got people who are understaffed in state unemployment offices. Hours had been cut back in many of these states even before this pandemic hit, even before this economic crisis hit. And now they are swamped. They are completely swamped. They were cutting costs way before this pandemic came along. And now that you've got 16.8 million Americans, those are the ones that we can document, filing for unemployment benefits. They are swamped. They can't handle the demand all over the country. People are having to Either wake up early in the morning or get up and stay up late at night to go on websites. Most of these unemployment places are not 24-hour-a-day live operators. They're not. These states don't have the funding. And Mitch McConnell says, ooh, You can't block emergency aid. You do not even oppose. Well, it's not that the Senate Democrats oppose it. They want to make sure that everybody is benefiting from these aid packages. I mean, did Mitch McConnell forget that $500 billion of the $2 trillion aid package that was passed two weeks ago is going to basically Mitch McConnell and Steve Mnuchin as a slush fund. Steve Mnuchin now is probably one of the two most powerful people in America. Maybe three if you include Mitch McConnell. And you know who the other one is. 
This guy has unfettered access to that 500 billion. In fact, it's even more than that because there is at least $4 trillion that's not being accounted for. It is being leveraged. It is being supplemented. So this bill of $2 trillion in this aid package is not even really that. It's more like 6 or $7 trillion. Like I said, numbers do not tell the whole story. Because a lot of things are being underreported. And I think it's important that you know this. Whether it's the numbers for the people who have perished from this virus or are afflicted with it, whether it is the number of people that are being tested. The one number that is true is that 196,000 number in a country of 327 million. Despite what you are told at these campaign rally briefings, hopefully you don't still watch those. And I would implore that the media stop. I think CNN had been dipping in and out of these things. But they went back to it, and they really shouldn't. I would take up what Roland Martin does. Roland Martin um, does a show called Roland Martin Unfiltered. And it's a really good show. He does not cover Trump. He will cover these live press briefings when they happen. But what will happen is as soon as Trump walks to the podium and gets ready to speak, Roland just cuts the feed and comes right back and continues his show. When Dr. Burks or when Dr. Fauci comes on or some other official, including Mike Pence, I might add, who, quite frankly, I think he lies like a rug as well. But when all of those people come back to the podium or speak at the podium, Roland Martin goes back to the slash campaign rally slash press briefing. It's really a press briefing when you've got Fauci and Burks up there, but it's a campaign rally when Trump comes to the microphone at the podium. And I think all of the media should adopt what Roland Martin's doing with that, by the way. I'm going to take a break right here. And I need to continue with what's going on with the news. And quite frankly, as Chris McConnell, excuse me, Chris Van Hollen says, McConnell, quote, knew full well that there was not agreement and consensus on moving forward with this $250 billion virus aid package proposal. That's why we're here today. This was, in fact, designed to fail, designed as a political stunt, end quote. And that's true. The Republicans know how to grandstand and political stuntify for their base, and it will get covered. They know that when they wave their arms in the air furiously, it will get covered by the corporate news media. But when Democrats are giving you very clear information and speaking clearly to the issues and the urgent issues and what they've accomplished in the House or the Senate, the corporate news media isn't interested and does not give you a complete picture. And I have to ask, why is that?
from April the 8th. Hospitals and clinic officials say the federal government has taken their orders of critical supplies with no explanation. Trump has left it largely to states and hospitals to secure whatever supplies they can during the coronavirus pandemic. Yet the federal government has been quietly seizing some of the orders of those supplies, leaving medical providers across the country in the dark about where the material is going and how they can get what they need. I love the language, quietly seizing, which is... Stealing. <laughs> it's stealing. They're stealing it. <laughs> it's theft. <laughs> Quietly seizing. They are stealing. This is about libertarian policies. You are on your own. This is a let them choke on the cake they may eat policy by Donald Trump. That's what this is all about. This is libertarianism. This is the idea that the free market does everything and that you as the individual must fend for yourself and trample on anybody else and everyone else. And that's the virtuous thing to do. That is the Ayn Rand principle. The idea that she espoused that selfishness is a virtue that the greatest sacrifice of all is made when you trample all over your neighbor, all over your fellow cohort, because that is the exalted thing to do. And that makes you the best and most purest person. I mean, this is Darwinism. This is an argument for Darwinism, survival of the fittest. Trump says, you know, you states can do what you want. You're on your own. We're not going to help. It's not the federal government's job to stand on street corners and give tests to people. That's what Trump said the other day. Federal government doesn't do it. Well, by the way, the federal government's role is to do the things that help the American people. And by the way, Donald, you gave and you swore to an oath to protect and defend the United States of America. But you obviously have defied that oath and broken it many times, violated that oath many, many times. You are leaving America wide open and you are allowing a virus to kill many, many thousands of people. And this has all been about mixed messaging. On the one hand, you're on your own. On the other hand, he, through FEMA, is stealing the supplies from these hospitals. This is according to the LA Times. I will continue here. Hospital and clinic officials in seven states described the seizures in interviews over the past week. The Federal Emergency Management Agency is not publicly reporting the acquisitions despite the outlay of millions of dollars of taxpayer money. Nor has the administration detailed how it decides which supplies to seize steel and where to reroute them steel. What's happening here is that FEMA is stealing these supplies from hospitals in at least 
seven states. And they are commandeering them for themselves. And what I think they are doing is hoarding them so that they can give their supply, these supplies to Republican-controlled states. This is all in service of Donald Trump's re-election campaign. This is his re-election campaign on steroids, but it's on psychopathic steroids. It's on sociopathic, sociopathic steroids. This is exactly what he is doing. He tried to undermine Joe Biden with the Ukraine call last year. That failed because he got impeached and he was exposed, even though he got acquitted in the sham trial. He was exposed. Now what he's trying to do with this pandemic is completely destroy the state government system. And as Steve Bannon, his fellow racist cohort, cohort said, cohort said, what he wants, Bannon, and what Trump obviously wants too, is the destruction of the administrative state. And as I've said many times, that is exactly what Trump has accomplished. Putting in incompetent people, so-called incompetent people, in positions of power. And it's not so much that they are incompetent. It is that they are functionaries. They are functionaries as part of this plan to completely cripple, destroy, and dismantle the administrative state. You've got FEMA stealing, committing crimes, stealing from states and their hospitals. You've got Trump having states bid against each other for supplies that he should be giving them. And then FEMA comes in or the federal government comes in at the last minute and then outbids the states that have been competing against each other. You've got a federal government through the State Department, Mike Pompeo, who in February of this year, February the 7th, shipped nearly 18 tons of PPEs, ventilators, masks, and other equipment to China. And now you've got China shipping them back to Trump and to private companies who will then turn around and try to sell to make a profit. This is not the way it's supposed to work. So this is all about re-election and about making sure that those who live in Republican states, Republican-controlled states, are stronger and fitter than those who live in democratically controlled states. Why would you ship 100, 200, 300, or 400 broken ventilators to California? Why would you do that? 
it was 127 actually, I think, broken ventilators, which got fixed in Los Angeles and then got sent to the proper places. Why would you send broken ventilators? Why would you tell people, if you didn't want to destroy the administrative state in a lot of these state governments, why would you tell people at a press conference that they've got to be nice to you in order to get what they need to save the lives of people in their states? Back to the LA Times. Officials who've had materials seized also say they've received no guidance from the government about how or if they will get access to the supplies they ordered. Now, understand this. These are people who are officials at these hospitals in these states who have ordered medical supplies. from the government, ordered these things. And what the government's doing, what Trump's administration's doing is stealing them. Stealing their orders. Now this article does not particularly talk about which of these states. But it's clear, in my view, that they are coming, that this theft by Trump's administration, by the federal government, Trump's government, is theft from seven democratic states. California is certainly one of them. And I think this is the plan to weaken and destroy democratically controlled states, whether it's democratic governors, whether it's democratic state legislatures, whether it's democratic secretaries of state. Donald Trump is looking to destroy and is trying very hard to destroy state government apparatus, certainly federal government apparatus. There are no more people to tell him no. There are no more people to tell him this is not what you do here. Stop. He is now surrounded by yes men and women. This is a dictatorship now. And surely people can see that. And it's a fascist dictatorship as well. The merger of state and corporate power. That's exactly what you're seeing right now. It is so clear. The state being the government, being the U.S. government in this case, I say state, but the gov the government power plus corporate power. That is what you have when you have fascism. And that's what's going on. You've got these private companies that are doing these tests. And I'm not saying that you can't do things with the private sector. The public and private sector throughout history has always teamed up together to do things. But when you are now outsourcing, when you are now stealing supplies and, and giving them to private companies, stealing the supplies that are for these states and the state hospitals and giving them to private companies or intending to funnel them to private companies. That is fascism at work. And then those companies will do what they can do. When you 
refuse WHO tests at cost and then try to do these side deals with companies that are for profit here in the United States because your buddies have some stock that will go up and you can stand to gain because you have connections to those companies. That's fascism. When you in the government, Donald Trump, keep promoting a drug that has not been given any clinical trials, hydroxychloroquine, and you keep repeating to the American public at your campaign rallies, your daily ones, the ones where you lie every day, and you've lied every day of your life. When you keep repeating, take this drug, take this drug, I have a feeling, I have a feeling, take this drug. And then you come to find out that you have a connection to someone at the company whose drug it is. And you have a connection with that company or with another company related to it. And you have stock in it and you stand to gain from sales of hydroxychloroquine, which has not been given any clinical trial. That is fascism. That is fascism. That word is not being bandied about in the corporate news media, but the fact of the matter is is that when you have a merger of government power and corporate power, you have fascism. Plain and simple. Let me repeat this. Officials who've had materials seized, this is the LA Times article from yesterday, also say they've received no guidance from the government about how or if they will get access to the supplies they ordered. That has fed concerns about how public funds are being spent and whether the Trump administration is fairly distributing scarce medical supplies. The medical leaders on the front lines of the fight to control the coronavirus and keep patients alive say they are grasping for explanations. Quote, we can't get any answers said a California hospital official who asked not to be identified for fear of retaliation from the White House. For fear of retaliation from the White House. That is dictatorship. I understand that you want to say things off the record or anonymously and be protected, yes, understood. But now you have a situation where people all over the country are afraid of Donald Trump. You have officials around him who are afraid. You've got some in the press who are a little bit timid. Although there are still some very fearless reporters out there. Yamish Alcindor among them. Jim Acosta among them. Jonathan Call among them. Peter Alexander among them. 
Caitlin Collins among them. April Ryan among them. You've got numerous White House correspondents who are doing their job and doing it well. But this fear that people have of Trump and with this virus and with this economic situation, it has the capability and the potential to be very, very explosive. So that's something to take a look at. That LA Times article is quite something. Again, the headline, newsletter, hospitals say the feds seized their supplies. April 8th, 2020. That is a story I think everybody should be aware of. There's no question about that. We've had no discussion at all about really about detainees in the corporate news media, about the homeless, very little discussion. We've had very little discussion about domestic violence survivors. We need to have more coverage of how this is affecting people all over the country. Yes, it's important to focus on the healthcare workers. Yes, it's important to focus on doctors and nurses and other caregivers. Yes, but we need to focus on these grocery store employees. These are the people that we, the vast majority of the American public, is coming into everyday contact with, daily contact. In some Walgreens now, they've got these plexiglass or fiberglass, I guess it's plexiglass, screen coverings that go about six feet up into the air to protect the grocery store worker from catching any kind of, you know, droplets coming out of people's mouths. And they, by the way, they already are wearing masks in one of the Walgreens that I have gone to. They have these, I guess, plexiglass guards and all of the employees are wearing masks and gloves. But this is not true in all supermarkets or grocery stores. It's just not true of a lot of them. There was a story about Trader Joe's in Brooklyn, and I forget who wrote it. I'll have to reference that another time to you. That was a story to read. But we need more conversation about these individuals that I've just writ written, at uh, least listed to you. And what about those detained in concentration camps? What about those kids who have been separated from their parents, who have been stolen? You want to use the word steal. Kids who have been stolen, ripped from the arms of their mothers and put in these concentration camps. What about the women who have been put in these camps? What about the men who have been put in these camps, all huddled together during a pandemic? Where's the reporting on that matter? Where are the briefings from the White House on that matter? But Donald Trump is too busy with his daily campaign rally. There is no information coming out that I have heard. And I stopped watching these briefings, so maybe there has been. But when I was watching them, there was no questions about detainees that I remember. 
being asked by the press, being put forth in terms of information by Trump's administration. Certainly not by him. I think people have already forgotten, sadly, that there are detainees out there. And that is very sad, that people have forgotten that. Did you know that this virus is actually coming from Europe? To put it more clearly, did you know that a lot of these cases in New York, and these numbers keep rising, I'm not going to give any numbers. I'm sure you are aware of the numbers. And quite frankly, I would advocate reducing your time watching the media, corporate news media in particular, because it just adds more stress and anxiety. And I know that there are networks that have these coronavirus town halls. I think some of them can be helpful. But I would certainly recommend moderating your time sitting in front of a television set watching this stuff. And try to adjust to doing activities that are more healthy, like reading, like writing, like creating something, like listening to music, like taking a walk, like doing some exercise, preferably indoor exercise. But if you do go out, as I've always recommended, to take a walk or run during the early morning hours where there are definitely going to be less people around. And I know that, again, safety has to be taken into account if you're going to go out very early in the morning and be aware, of obviously, of your neighborhood and, and the safety issues. And obviously walk, if you're going to go out that early, walk where it's well lit or run where it's well lit and wear clothing that is visible so that if you're crossing a road, you're not wearing all black and you're not going to be hit by some car. I jog in the mornings. You'd be amazed to see uh, of the few people that I do come across, and there's very few of them. You will be amazed to see how many of them are wearing black, all black at night, which is really the early morning, but still dark. So that is one thing to think about. But did you know, did you know that in fact, according to the New York Times, most New York coronavirus cases came from Europe, Genome's show. Now, New York is the epicenter of the pandemic here in the United States. And it has more cases than any other state, and it has more deaths than any other state in the country. Carl Zimmer wrote this in the New York Times. Most New York coronavirus cases came from Europe, Genome's show. This was published yesterday, but updated today. New research indicates that the coronavirus began to circulate in the New York area by mid-February, weeks before the first confirmed case, and that travelers brought in the virus mainly from Europe, not Asia. Let me repeat that portion again. And that travelers brought in the virus mainly from Europe, not Asia. 
I hope people remember that Asian people all over the United States have been under attack, violent attack. And they are being violently attacked by racist people. White men attacking Asian women. White men attacking Asians in general. This is happening all over the country. It's not getting the kind of coverage it should be getting. Yet this virus, according to Carl Zimmer in the New York Times, was brought in by travelers coming mainly from Europe. I guarantee you that there aren't going to be attacks, and I don't endorse attacks on anybody, violently or otherwise, but I guarantee you there's not going to be any attacks on European individuals. There isn't going to be attacks on white European individuals. Quote, the majority is clearly, quote, the majority is clearly European said Harm Van Bakel, a geneticist at ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai, who co-wrote a study awaiting peer review. A separate team at NYU Grossman School of Medicine came to strikingly similar conclusions despite studying a different group of cases. Both teams analyzed genomes from coronaviruses taken from New Yorkers starting in mid-March. The research revealed a previously hidden spread of the virus that might have been detected if aggressive testing programs had been put in place. Testing, testing, testing. That's what it all comes down to. Testing is everything. We need testing. And when you have less than 1% of the entire United States being tested right now, it just isn't good enough. We don't even have a million people tested in this country out of 327 million people. We are way behind the curve. On January 31st, Trump barred foreign nationals from entering the country if they had been in China during the prior two weeks. It would not be until late February that Italy would begin locking down towns and cities. And March 11th, when Mr. Trump said he would block travelers from most European countries. Remember when he said that? And that, again, misleading and lying speech that he gave from the Oval Office less than a month ago, March 11th. 
And he said that he would restrict and close down travel to Europe. But the UK and, uh, and Ireland, no problem. You can still travel to those places. Then he had to walk that back the very next day. And then said, well, oh, you know, the travel ban includes the UK and Ireland too. This is all about him and his businesses and his re-election prospects. He has properties in the UK up in Scotland and he has properties in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, I guess. So he visited Ireland, by the way, last year with uh, Leo Varadka, the the Taoiseach, who is going to be leaving that position, Prime Minister of Ireland, the Taoiseach, as he's called in Ireland, is going to be leaving that position in the next year or so. And by the way, he's a doctor too, Leo Varadka. And I think he's going to be doing some... Uh, Dr. Care regarding this virus in Ireland, which is taking lives as well there. So this is a complete farce because when Trump was giving that rambling, conflicting, confusing, deliberately confusing speech on March 11th to the nation, New Yorkers had already been traveling home with the virus, according to this New York Times article. I think what happens here with all of this is that it highlights, again, something I've talked about. Infrastructure. I did an episode a week or so ago about Ronald Reagan, government, infrastructure, and where we are in 2020 with all of that. Where those policies from Reagan, where those policies from Bill Clinton and the neoliberalism and the libertarianism of, of Reagan brought us to the point that we are now in 2020. It's this really unholy, this very unholy, perfect storm. And I do recommend that you reference that episode and listen to it, if you haven't, please, from The Politocrat. I recommend that you do, because in that I lay out quite a few things that have some context to where we are now. There is so much more, so much more to get to. But at this point, it would probably be wise to leave things as they are here so that you can ponder some of the things that are happening around you. These are definitely troubling times and information is going to be extremely important information is going to be very very important so it is important that you 
Make sure that the information you're getting is sourced from reliable places. Social media, WhatsApp, should be taken with a grain of salt in terms of the kinds of information you're getting. And if it is not from a news organization, whether it's your local news stations, whether it is from obviously the corporate news media networks like CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, then I would really recommend giving it a miss. I really would. Because social media right now, especially on WhatsApp, is not doing its users any service at all. And there are already measures that are being taken on WhatsApp to eliminate some of this, a lot of this misinformation and quite frankly, downright lies. So be careful with the information you're getting. Make sure that you are getting it from places like the LA Times. Make sure you are getting it from newspapers like the New York Times. Although, of course, look, there's things about the New York Times and Washington Post I don't like. But one thing I know is they are getting this information sourced. It is accurate. It's credible. It's documented. Same thing with CNN. Same thing with MSNBC. The information is sourced. The Associated Press The information is sourced and it's referenced and it's documented and it's credible. So information is going to be and still is the currency of the 21st century. The more you know, the better shape you will be in because you can prepare and you can spread the word with information. And that's why there's this attack on information that Trump has done. Fake news, fake news. That's all designed to plant a seed of doubt in your mind about the credibility of the Los Angeles Times or the New York Times or the Washington Post. So keep in mind, consider the source when you've got someone who's lied over 18,000 times telling you what fake news is and telling you that OAN Network is credible and that Fox News is credible. And you know damn well that neither of those things is credible, that they are propaganda machines who lie and who actually cause people to die, just like Trump does when he talks about this stupid drug that has not been trialed or tested. I don't care that the FDA has recommended it and approved it. It's not been trialed. It's not been given any clinical trial or test. So be careful out there, everybody. Please be careful. Information is a protector as well. So I hope that you are well. I hope that you are doing everything you can to cope at this very difficult time. And I want to thank you again for listening to this edition of The Politocrat.